Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. All right, I want to welcome everybody here today. Listen, thanks so much. You could be doing anything you want on Father's Day, and uh, or any day for that matter. And so thank you, dads, for coming out, being a part. Um, I'm, I'm going to preach briefly today. You can time me on that. Um, it'll still be the same. I just say that to just make you feel like you're going to get to the restaurant quicker. But today I want to challenge you. I want you to be open-minded. I want the church to be open-minded. Um. Talking specifically to men is um, a big challenge in our culture, in our society, uh, the way things shift, um, just drawing out to one specific group of people. But biblically, it's extremely relevant and extremely important. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a, a challenge to all of our dads today and hope on Finding yourself or what you're supposed to do next uh, might come a little, little easier for you. So I want to start today. I want to read um, a statement by Paul. It's one of his more famous statements. Um, it's about manhood. It's, it's caught in a reflection of himself and what's going on. He's, he's, in, uh, he, he's a teaching about, about love here. But he's, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 11, he says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child. Okay, now you think about that for a minute, where that means you were just stammering around trying to discover a language, or you said immature things, okay? When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. So I saw the world as a child would see it. I saw relationships as a child would see them. I saw marriage as a child would see it. And I saw the father as a, as a child would see him. And he said, I reasoned like a child. That's big too. So I'm thinking out things. I'm thinking out my, my responses. I'm thinking about uh, what you just said to me and what I want to say back. My, my reasoning is very much like, a child, okay? So since I've interrupted that, I want to read that again. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. And then he uh, puts a period there and he says, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So very, very strong. Uh, he's talking to the church at Corinth and he's telling them, hey, listen, there was a time in my life where I thought like a kid, and I acted like a kid, and I reasoned like a kid, and it was appropriate. But when I became a man, I put those things away. And uh, I think this is important uh, on, on any day, but I think uh, when we talk about fathers and just masculine leadership and how God designed family, it's important on days like today to re-inspire um, the men in our house to go, this is, this is what we have to do. Um, as spiritual leaders, it's something that we've got to do. Uh, 
So there is something very spiritual about becoming a man or the becoming of a man. The processes by which you must go, the, the trail which you must follow, um, the things that have to be shed, the things that have to be let go of and other things grasped. Um, all of them take different times. Some of you reached a great spiritual maturity early, and some of you were late bloomers. doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you got there. And so uh, this is a spiritual journey. It's one that I believe the Father is still calling out to men in the house to say, hey, this is the way, and I want you to lead it. And I want you to be the first one through the door for your family. And so in this becoming of a man, you leave a part of you, like Paul says, in the past. It's not that you forget about it. It's not that you didn't learn a lesson from it. It's not that you can't pack some of that up and carry it with you as you age. That's wisdom. Uh, to be able to look and go, hey, this is what I learned. And so let me share that with you is a great, great tool. But these mature differences translate into many facets of everyday life. You may carry yourself differently, meaning that once you become a man, you may have, you may have a different kind of walk, a different talk. Your confidence level in the room may be totally different than when you were a teen. You're now responsible enough, once you've reached maturation you can hold down a job. It's not like you're jumping from place to place to place like maybe you did in, in your teens with your first couple of jobs, you know, trying to figure it out, learning what you liked, what you didn't like. And so regardless of ambition, you're still able to hold down something. You have the emotional ability to truly love someone. So it's not just about you anymore. It's about your spouse. It's about your children. It's about your parents. And so you've flipped that deep love that they had for you, and now you've turned it on to them. And you love your family. And you love your circle of friends. And that's because you are mature. You've put away the ways of a child. Uh, you're not going to throw yourself on the floor and suck your thumb or scream when something doesn't go your way. So you've got this ability to love people. And you can discipline yourself at that point of time to do just about anything. If you want to grow in a certain area, you can do it. If you want to win out in a certain field, you can do it. You can be the best dad for your children. You can be the best husband for your wife um, because you're disciplined to it. You've got introspection. You're able to look at yourself and go, this is an area i got to grow in. It's an area that i got to get better. So you also have this built-in protection and safety for others that is deep inside of you. You want to protect. You want to provide safety. You want to be the shield for the people who you love. And that is exactly what God had in mind for you when he defined and created the masculine force. To be someone to stand in the gap. Scripture is chocked full of stories 
of men who had to go out and do hard things, impossible things, life-ending things in order to see something else live or thrive. Joshua chapter 24, there's this great statement made by him as an old man. But in verse 15, he says, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, he's talking to a crowd here, he says, then choose for yourself who you're going to serve. Okay? This was a foot-on-the-line moment. And so he says, whether the gods of ancestors or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you're living, and then he makes this great declaration. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think the biggest thing to come out of this, if you just follow it chronologically, his statement, he starts with himself. That's very important, man. There has to be an as-for-me moment for you. You've got to look at your relationship with God, your family, your values, your morals, and you've got to have a but-as-for-me moment. Then it can come and my house. But those things don't need to be in opposite order. You've got to lead it. You've got to have the heart to take courage. You've got to start a tough conversation. Maybe you've got to go and apologize to some people in your family. Maybe you've got to make some things right. Maybe you've got to step it up in some area. But you've got to have an as-for-me moment. And this is what started with Joshua. As for me. So let me dive into this quickly this morning. Men in our society, and this is going to be, this is hard because things have changed so much. But listen, men in our society are in trouble because masculinity is on trial. It's on trial. What looks to be masculine a traditional masculinity is looked at now as troublesome. And everything, men, that you do naturally is under the microscope right now. Everything that is embedded into your DNA, to your genetics, to just your natural build and inclination is under a microscope. Why do you do that? What's going on with that? If you command authority then you're looked at as a person with an anger issue. If you stand up for something, you're told that you're not being respectful of others. If you work hard, you're a workaholic. If you play hard, you're shirking responsibility. If you believe in tradition and heritage, you're told that you are rigid. The stats on fatherlessness are alarming. And growing. And for whatever reason, because of scrutiny, because of being under the microscope, the, the microscope, I'm maybe hungry, the, the, you're, you're backpedaling in responsibility, and it's, it's causing the rates of abandonment and neglect in the area of fatherhood to escalate, to trend up. Men, 
are predisposed to figure things out for themselves. Most men in this room did not have a person to go to and say, teach me what it's like to be a man. So you did a lot of trying to figure things out in the the dark. And there's a lot of you, that's why you're ashamed of areas in your life because you're walking through a room without a light on trying to discover who you are. And in so doing, you made plenty of bad choices. Well, maybe this is what being a man looks like. Maybe that's what being a man looks like. And so through trial and error, you had to discover rather than having a clear compass to follow. But manhood will will, will resist all attempts to to try and and, and figure something out in a difficult way. It's like, I I want the shortcut, I want to know how to do it, and I want to know how to do it now. But listen, to really enter manhood, a man must do something very different. He has to do something that's against his nature, and he has to receive Men, um, by nature, can be givers, meaning this. You want him to work harder, just tell him. He'll, he'll probably do it. You want him to do more? Fine, I'll do it. You want me to do something dangerous? I'll do it. You want me to, to go and protect something? I'll do it. You want me to get mad at somebody and speak first and think later? I'll do that. Um, whatever it is, I can, I can do it. Just ask me to do something, and I will do it. But for them to sit and receive and soak and be part of a God-ordained recipe that's not microwavable. I'm talking about grandma's cooking that required an oven. It's got to be in there for a while. The aroma has to fill the room. You know something good is about to to be served. And men are notorious for not being okay with this process. I don't want to receive. As a matter of fact, men will fight, fist fight over who's paying them or their buddy when they go to eat hamburgers somewhere together. They can't do it. One of them cannot just go, okay. Thanks. It's, no, 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 I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And I mean, the you know, salt's going everywhere, and the waitress kind of takes a step back. He, pro- he told me he asked for it first. And causes this whole you know, scene. They can't do it. But a man has to be given three specific gifts, and we'll talk those out. These are gifts you cannot earn. These are gifts you cannot work for. These are gifts that you cannot... Produce yourself as worthy of receiving. And that's what makes it uncomfortable for you. You just got to take it and receive it and tell God thank you. And grow in masculinity, grow in manhood, grow in leadership, be who God called you to be with great confidence. Just receive these things, say thank you, serve the Lord with all of your heart, and move forward. The first thing is this. You got to receive an identity. You cannot earn identity. Now, you can earn a nickname by doing crazy stuff. You can be called all kinds of things because of your reputation. I'm not talking about a nickname. I'm talking about an identity. Like, 
This is who I am. No matter what room I'm in, no matter what group, no matter what country, no matter what, what career, this is who I am all of the time, unchangeable, unmovable. Why? Because I've received it. It's in me. I'm not fickle about it. I'm not double-minded on it. I know who I am because I received it. Not from you, not from a book, not even from my earthly father. I got it from him. The most powerful force in the universe, the lover of my soul, whispered it to me, grew it in me, and it takes time because God is growing trees. He's not growing weeds. It takes a little bit of time. But from that identity now is everything that I'm, I'm living for. Men feel anonymous. Typically, they can try on careers like, like overcoats. You know, I do this, I didn't feel right. I do this, I didn't feel right. Hoping that it gives you some sense of identity and it still hides from you. The number one thing a man will ask another man is this. What do you do? When we meet someone new, that's the first thing. It's not where you live, who you're married to, you got kids. It's what do you do? Because we take so much identity in the things that we put our hands to. We look for identity in the gym or in the bedroom or in things that you cannot or things that you can own or point to. This is my boat, this is my house, this is what I drive. There's my business. These are my rental properties. Whatever it is, we want to be able to point and show others, like, do you see that I'm good at something? Do you see what I've done? Do you see the measurement of success in my life? And this becomes your identity. But you have those things because of something deeper in your life. I believe that that gift came from God. I believe that wisdom came from God. I believe your ability to be great at business came from God. Your ability to be a healer or a teacher or an owner of something came from God. That is where your identity is in. And men, here's, here's the big question. You know your identity is in it if this, as if tomorrow it went away, would you still be okay? If tomorrow it was gone, would you be all right? If not, your identity's in it. The identity has to come from the Father. Whatever identity comes from your accomplishments is as fleeting as the fog. But when an identity is given to you, everything shifts. Everything clears up. You awaken as a man. It's the crossing of the T, the dotting of the I in your life that God breathed on you an identity, that you know what you're supposed to do in the world. It's who you are, and it will not change. you got to receive that today. The second thing is this. you got to receive a quest. All right? Oftentimes, and maybe you're in this room, you feel stuck in something in life, a job, career that you've been in a long time that you think, man, it's too late to start all over. Something you're tolerating. You may even hate it. Sometimes you feel stuck in a pattern 
that corrupts your life or imprisons your life. It may even be a thought process, just a cycle, just a soundtrack of something that you play over and over and over, and it's defeating and it's negative, and it goes against even your identity. You're stuck on a carousel of whatever's next. So it's, if I'll just make it to the next big social event, the next time I can hang out with my buddies, the next big sporting event. So baseball will end. Then football will start. Then basketball will start. And nobody cares about soccer. So you got two months of depression. So it's this next thing, my next vacation. What was supposed to be entertainment and life-giving to you is now boring. And so there's nothing burning inside of you. And you do the same thing when it comes to church. You're like, man, there's just, there's nothing that's just, I'm on fire with. I made a decision to follow Christ, and I guess that's it. I just wait for death to come or the rapture or whatever's next. But when it comes to the house of the Lord, you're just bored. You're not involved in anything. You're not serving. You're not giving. You're just, it's just a place. And so it's not connected to the quest This is part of it. This is a vehicle that you can get in and be able to do amazing things together collectively for the kingdom. So when a man receives a quest, your whole being snaps to attention. Everything becomes pointed. Everything becomes focused, and you are able to start moving. My father, since he's here, I'll call him out today. He was very mechanical. That was his job. He did tool and die for years. But when it came to church, I watched him as we grew up. My father is not a speaker. It's why I've never had him here. He doesn't want to do it. He's, he's, not, he's not a pastor. This is not his office. But I watched him many times growing up. Fix a bus. Pick up kids. Set up chairs. Stay afterward. Make sure everything was tight. Paint walls. Demo. Every dad's favorite day. Build things that needed. He took his skill set and applied it. As a kid, I watched that. And I saw it. It was part of his quest. He loved church. He had us in church. And since we grew up Pentecostal, you didn't get to be sick and stay home. It's like, you're sick, great. This is a great opportunity for the Lord to heal you. Put your pants on, let's go. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got 103. Well, that's all right, Jesus, let's go. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, Come on, I'm not by myself in that. Some of y'all's parents drag y'all in, puking everywhere. We need prayer. There was nothing my there was nothing to keep us out of church. 
Because when a man becomes pointed and focused and his life moves and the church surrounds that, it's, it's a spiritual thing. Why? Because God created you men with an adventurous spirit. It's downloaded inside of you. You need an adventure. You need something to put your hands on. Regardless of your personality style. Regardless of you being introverted or extroverted. It doesn't matter. Something inside of you wants to run as fast as you can and jump off a cliff into the water below just to say you did it. Not because you need something on Instagram, not because you need an applause. You just want to know in your heart of hearts that you did it. You took a leap. You jumped when nobody else would, and it was great. You loved everything about it. You loved the run. You loved the jump. You loved the free fall, and you loved the cannonball you did at the end of it because you're adventurous. That's in you. Thank God for that. Thank God for those of you who want to start something new, who want to do something, who want to lead, who want to get ahead, who aren't bashful and shy, and you shy away from things that are, that are fearful. But you step up and you say, yeah, I think that we can take this on. Why? That's, that's the man in you wanting to lead. So you got to receive an identity. you got to receive a quest. And third, you got to receive a guide. Like I said when I first started this, men feel uninitiated and untutored. You enter the exterior life of men with the inner life of a boy without a guide or a marker through a treacherous masculine terrain. You quickly become disoriented. To manage that, you hunker down. You find some comfort. You find a lover or a drink or a hobby or a distraction. But when you allow a guide into your life, you hear another voice telling you who you are and what you can do with your life. And I'm going to tell you something. We are missing this component. And we're missing it in church. Some of you men who are older, listen to me. Start opening your mouth. Say, oh, listen, I'm, my time is over. We're just going to let, let, let these... Young guys leave. That could be the worst thing we do. We need mentors. We need wisdom to flow like a river around here. We need our, our 20-somethings to be able to go and sit with a 60-something and say, tell me what to do. Because I don't know. And an entire generation of mentors is dying. And what it will do is leave a church with this huge lack of wisdom, like a vacuum. And you'll have young people who have the body for it and the zeal for it and the energy for it and the want to and the drive and no one to point them in the right direction. You can be the, the baddest guy on the track and the fastest and the most dangerous, but without a crew chief to check your tires... We need it. We need men. We need men to worship. We need them to linger. We need them to hang out. We need them to get involved. We need our church to look around and say, man, men are leading in this place. When we have a guide, we hear from someone 
who has negotiated the same terrain and they know the way. You no longer feel alone. Everything becomes tinted with hope. Everything becomes filled with possibility. And you can move forward as a man in the house of the Lord with confidence. Come on, somebody say amen today. The surprise of the New Testament is that these gifts, watch, have already been given to men. They're there for the taking if you will receive them. You can have an identity. You can have a quest. And you can have a guide. And these three gifts come from the indescribable gift of Jesus himself. Jesus took 12 men and he gave them these three gifts. He gave them an identity. He called them away from fishing boats and tax collection, and doctoring. He said, listen, come, come over here. I got something deeper. I got, I got something better. I, I, got, I got an adventure for you to go on with me if you're up for it. He gave them identity in him. He gave them a quest to build his kingdom, and he promised to be their guide for the rest of their lives. They entered into manhood this way. They became men like him, chiseled into his image, doing what he could do, saying what he said over and over and over. And they did such a great job that 20 centuries later, we're still teaching about it. Jesus was masculinity in its potent form. You never need to apologize for your masculinity. Men, hear me. Never apologize for your masculinity. If you're one of the legion of men who long for identity, for a quest, for a guide, there is one who knows you. Ask him to take you there. Ask him to take you there. Because you might be here today, and you might be in a 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old body, but you think to yourself, I never had a guide. I've never really had a quest. I've never really had an identity. Like I've done things that are good. I'm a good person. But you don't have a God-given identity or a God-given quest or a God-given guide. And in some ways, in many aspects of, of your manhood, you are floundering. 1 Corinthians 16, here's a huge challenge for you guys. Verse 13, he says this, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. That's pretty good. Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Do you know what the first question in the Bible is? Adam, where are you? Where are you? Where are you at? Unfortunately, this question has, has followed men, at least in the era that I've been alive. This is hard, okay? But men, do you know that this same question could be asked right now by some of your children? Dad, where are you? Where are you? Your wife, though you live with her, help provide, help sustain, help lead the house, could really be asking, where are you? There are single moms 
in churches everywhere looking for godly men, asking, where are you? And if you're here today and you're a single man, I would tell you, do not look past or overlook our single moms. These are great women looking for godly men. As a pastor, I have to ask our church, where are you at? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why aren't you leading? Why aren't you involved? Why aren't you leading ministries? Why aren't you worshiping? Where are you at? I want us to be a church that knows where the dads are. I want us to be a church that knows where our men are. I want to be able to, on a whim, call six to 12 men and say, we got something we got to do and we got to do it now. You can't ever ask me what it's about. You just got to... <laughs> Let me end with this study, okay? George Barna, you all know him. I reference him often. He's a researcher for behavior specifically in family and, and the church. He did a study, and the research was this. It was on families, and he studied the trend of the family as different members came to follow Christ, okay? So they polled thousands of families, Christian families, and they asked this question, okay? So here, here's, here's the result. When a mom in a family comes to Christ first, 21% of the time, the entire family comes to Christ. When a kid does it, so say like a kid gives their heart to Christ at VBS, and they come home and they're like, I gave my heart to the Lord and I want to be baptized. 25% of the time, the family will follow that. Well, I guess we need to go to church. We need to get involved. We, want to, we need to spur this on. 25% of the time, the family comes to Christ. When a man comes to his family and says, I have made a decision to follow Christ, 92% of the time, the entire family said, well, I want to give my heart to Christ too. Now, you can argue that out through a social lens, a cultural lens, whatever it is. And honestly, I don't care. Because this is a spiritual thing. And you cannot just take it and put it under a social microscope and say this is what's wrong with it. It's a spiritual thing. It can't be argued with. So my challenge again to every guy in the house is to have an as for me moment. As for me, okay? You can't make it collectively as all the dads in the room. I'm not, I can't call you forward and have you stand here as, as a group of dads and pray over you. No, this has to be an individual decision. As so that's my challenge to you through the word today. Some of you are here without an identity and without a quest and without a guide. As a church, we're absent of leadership. We have gaps in serving. 
everywhere that if you would get involved, your whole family would get involved. I wasn't going to say this, but I've thrown so many punches now, I guess I might as well say it. Do you know before COVID, we had one of the strongest serving churches probably in our city. People serving everywhere ants on top of each other on a Sunday morning. I loved it. Any project we did, any call that we, we made, 40, 50 people just like that. We still got gaps everywhere coming back from COVID. And you want to know why? I'm going to put this on, on, on you, man. Because some of you just got comfortable with it. That's great. You can be off Sunday and we can go on the big days. We can go whenever we want. You lost your quest for the house of the Lord. You lost what it meant to do something other than career. And I love our model of church because this is what it means. We're not going to go out and hire everybody to get all the jobs done. Why? Because that's what they do at the Hilton. And we're not the Hilton. We're a church, a body, a collection of people. And so people have to step up or it doesn't get done. And I challenge you, let your quest come back. What do you want to do for the Lord? We need somebody to go, ask for me. We're going to serve this thing. This is my church. This is my place. I serve here. I give here. I mentor here. I lead a life group. I pour coffee. I park a car when it's 105 outside. Why? Because I'm a man. God, I love you. Thank you for the church. I thank you for fathers. What a gift. What a gift. God, I pray that this weight that is in the room right now would sit in every guy's lap. Give us an as for me moment right now. Right now. As for me. As for me. As for me. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to leave my, lead, lead my family. I'm going to lead my church. I'm going to do something with my life. That serves the kingdom. If you will, everybody in the house, let's just stand together all across the room. If you would, just close your eyes, lift your hands in the house of the Lord today. Come on, man, will you help, help me lead this today? Just lift your hands in the house of the Lord all across the building. God, we love you. We love you. We worship you. Let identity fall in this room today, God. Let a quest fall into somebody's heart. Let a guide come into our lives, Lord. Let mentors begin to just show up. People who we can connect with and talk with and relate with. We just receive it as men. Lord, it's very hard. I'd rather be given. I'd rather you just tell me something to do. God, right now I just pause and I just receive. 
I just open my hands and ask you to put it there. I open my heart. I ask you to put something deep inside my life, Lord. God, do something in us that society can't do, culture can't do, a job can't do. God, do something in our lives that some old trophy in the garage doesn't speak to, some degree on the wall doesn't affirm. Your voice, just whisper it to me, just whisper. In this room today, Father God. Bless us today, Father, in every way. Let our church be full of men, hungry for the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together today, amen.